What's up, church? Are you excited to be here today? I said, are you excited to be here today? Oh, you sound good. You look good. Hey, at every location, tell one neighbor you sound good, one neighbor you look good, you choose. How many first-time visitors we got at all location? Put your hands up. We're so glad you're here. Hey, listen, if you keep coming around, you're going to find out anyway. So I like to tell everybody up top, we're a bunch of messed up, imperfect people, but we love to get together every week right here and pursue a perfect God. And we're so glad you're here. So here's what that means. If you're visiting, I know it's crazy sometimes visiting a new church. And what happens a lot is, is you sit around in rooms like this and you think in your, in your mind, you go, I, I wonder if they really knew me, if they want me here, if they really knew what I've been through, if they really knew what's going on in my life right now, if they really knew my doubts and my struggles and my problems. And I want you to know that no matter what you've been through and no matter what you're going through from the bottom of our hearts, we want you to know we really want you here. We're glad you're here. In this place, you're going to be welcomed and loved and accepted and believed in. You've already been prayed for. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. All right. So how about that video? That was pretty cool, right? So I have one announcement before I introduce today's speaker. We're going to a whole new level with something that for a long time around here has just been called an internship. We've been doing an internship here for years. In fact, most of our new hires on our staff at every location for the last several years has come from our intern program. And, and all of us who founded Red Rocks Church, we all went through internships. So, man, we love them. We believe in them. We believe there is something special when you take time out of your life and say, God, I'm going to pour my heart and soul into building your kingdom and your church. And, and so we believe highly in getting as many people as we can behind the scenes and getting all kinds of ministry experience. The problem has been up until now, if you don't have a college degree, but you really want one, it's sort of this like, what do I do, right? Do I do an internship or do I go to college? Do I get college credit? Well, for the first time in our church's history, starting this fall, you're going to be able to do both at the exact same time. We're starting the Red Rocks Leadership College. There is a, there's a card on your seats. If you want info, Go to the meeting that is on that card. Register ahead of time. Let them know you're coming. They're going to answer every question you've got or go to the app or the website. But starting this fall is going to be, for the very first time, Red Rocks Leadership College. And it's going to a whole new level, guys. All right. So I'm going to shut up because who I really want you to hear from today is a friend of mine. In fact, when you see him, you're going to be like, are they twins? It's possible. Hey, you know how sometimes, for real, you know how sometimes you meet somebody every now and then, like just in life, you meet somebody and it's like instantly you just know, like, we're going to do life together. That's what happened when I met this amazing couple. And before I announce the man, I want to announce the real power behind the relationship. I want to, I want to uh, introduce you 
to one of the newest members of our family. She is amazing. She is a godly woman. She is a beautiful woman, and she is part of our family. Red Rocks Church, would you put your hands together for Irene Rollins? Come on. We love you. Thank you for being here. And and I'm telling you, we are in for a treat. But just right now, start preparing your mind, start preparing your heart. You are not here by accident. God has you here for a reason, and you're about to find out why. I believe that. And, And so Red Rocks Church at every location, but especially right here. Can you make some noise like only we know how to make noise when it comes to honoring somebody? My friend, my brother, and our new family member, Jimmy Rollins. What's up, Red Rocks? How y'all doing? Come on, let's give God, let's celebrate God up in this place. Amen, 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 amen. I'm pumped. Let's go. Y'all can have y'all seats. So excited to be here. There's a lot of white people in here. I'm a little scared. Come on, I'm I'm joking. I'm like, is this get out too? You know what I mean? (laughs) So pumped to be here uh, from Baltimore. My name is Jimmy from Baltimore. Uh, Maryland and uh, with my beautiful wife we will celebrate 20 years in June come on amen it's been amazing we've had like the best three years of marriage ever <laughs> I'm just playing but I'm so pumped to be here uh, I, I'm, I, I'm excited I'm amped I'm fired up to meet this guy uh, Sean and Jill can we just give it up for your pastors can we give honor to your pastors come on that's okay if it was for me I said, can we give honor to your pastors? Come on, somebody. We honor you. You got shoe game. That's why I love you. Amen. And the story of how we met is absolutely mind-blowing. I want you guys to know that eight years ago, there was a church, a predominantly African-American church in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, who found you on a website, because uh, we use the same website company, and we were transitioning from a traditional African-American expression of church to a life-giving church, and, and I needed some white people to copy from. Come on, somebody. And so, and so I went on Red Rock's website, and I was stealing sermons, and I was, and I was doing it, and Sean had no idea, come on, somebody, that he was helping a church in Baltimore. Amen. And recently, I got a chance to tell him that story, and I'm just so honored. So if you are sowing into this house, know that you're just not affecting this place. You're just not, you are affecting churches, and come on, somebody, and people all around the world. I just want to show you a quick picture of my family. Uh, They're awesome to have somebody as amazing as I am. Uh, Y'all take take a look at, that's my miracle right there. That's my wife uh, there of, uh, as I said, 19 and and some years. We celebrate 20 years on June the 5th. And my 18-year-old daughter, Kayla, got her arm out on the right with the green. She's a little sassy. That's my son. He's on the bottom. Y'all stretch your hands to the screen. We're not sure if if he loves God yet. Uh, we're still working on that. Uh, and then my, my 13-year-old daughter, Maya. And then we are a bulldog family. We got two English bulldogs because I love bulldogs. I got any dog lovers in here? Come on, somebody. How about cat lovers? Because we're going to have an altar call for y'all later. Amen. 
But I'm so pumped. I get a chance to speak all over the world. And, and, and man, I'm just so humbled to be here and be a part of what God is doing here. What God is doing at your church is absolutely amazing. And, and I just want to encourage you like, like to not take this for granted. Can I just encourage you that God is doing something special here? Your worship is, I'm, I'm telling y'all, I'm going to put some white folks in my luggage and take them home with me. That's how good y'all's worship is. And uh, come on. He's like, I'll go. You got shoe game. You can come. You can come. Amen. And we're just excited, and, uh, and I get a chance to pastor a church called I-5 City. Now, I know you thought our church was going to be like First Apostolic Center of the Third Power, because y'all started judging me. Don't judge me. Don't stereotype me. But it's called I-5 City. The I stands for impact, and there are five missional things that God has called us to do. Uh, out of Matthew 25, Jesus asked a couple questions. He says, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me a drink? When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was a stranger, did you invite me in? When I was sick and in prison, did you care for me? And that's where we find our vision, food, water, shelter, clothing, and care. I, and we're going to impact the world in five Ways, And that's what I want to talk to you tonight about. Or today. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm fired up. I got this word. I, I don't know if I need to train us a little bit. I'm going to say things like, come on, somebody. Now, now I have to train some churches I go to because they're not used to a black preacher. So when I say that, that doesn't mean come up on the stage with me. It means just, it means like give God some praise right there. So I'm going to say, let's just practice. Come on, somebody. All right. All right. I just want to make sure y'all was with me. Let's go. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Uh, we're going to just go through verses 1, and we're going to just jump around, and we'll end at verse 10. And, and uh, uh, this is, I'm fired up about this word. It's, and it says this, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, uh, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Come on, y'all. This is pre-social media. This is pre-Facebook. This is pre-Twitter. Like news was spreading quickly that Jesus was in the house and healings and miracles were taking place because Jesus was in the house. I, I think God's best marketing plan is not social media. God's best marketing plan is revival in your life. Come on. Come on. And when God does something amazing in your life, I, I like to say this at our church, everybody going to find out about it. It says, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered this man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Verse 5, seeing their faith, Jesus said to this paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And I want to skip down to verse 10, and it says this, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, come on, pick up your mat and go home. I want to talk to you over the next few minutes from the title, Rip the Roof Off. Yes, I'm going to ask you to talk to your neighbor. So go ahead and ask, tell your neighbor, come on, your first choice, Rip the Roof Off. Tell the person sitting next to you. Now tell your B team the second choice. Tell them, Rip the Roof Off. Father, I pray that you do something amazing in this place tonight, God. Blow our minds with your presence, God. Let us not leave the same way that we came here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 
Amen. I love this passage of scripture because this passage of scripture shows me that God will use anybody. First, it says that Jesus, this was, the, this was in the town called Capernaum. Now, if you do a study on Capernaum, you will see that this is Jesus' own city. So Jesus is, there's going to be a church plant. Now, many theologians say that this house is Simon Peter's house. Now, I don't know about you, but Simon Peter wouldn't have been my first choice for a church plant in Jesus. Jesus' city. Come on, somebody. Simon Peter, I'm talking about the one who would walk on water and would lose faith and sink. I'm talking about Simon Peter, the one who would deny Jesus three times. I'm talking about Simon Peter, the one that Jesus would say, get behind me, Satan. Come on. Aren't you so glad that God doesn't use you because of you, but he uses you in spite of you? I'm so glad that God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. You may have dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's, but I did I cannot believe that God uses somebody like me. He's in Capernaum, Jesus' own city. And I thought about this, and I like to illustrate messages. This is, this is a church plant in Capernaum. And can you imagine on this church plant, Peter's trying to raise money. Peter's trying to decide who's going to be on the worship team. Is this going to be a white church or a black church? Are we wearing skinny jeans or baggy jeans? Are we playing B3s or guitars? Are we clapping on the one and the two or the one and the three or the two and the four? Come on, somebody. <laughs> so Peter says he's going to plant a church. Now he's got to find a guest speaker. He's got to find someone who's going to preach first day of his church launch and he done messed around and booked Jesus. Can you imagine that introduction? Here is the king of kings the lord of lords, the one who turns water into wine, the one who speaks to mountains and they say are moved. Jesus calms storms. He wakes up and storms are ceased. Now can you imagine in the green room the conversation? <laughs> Jesus has to go up. Peter has to go up and tell Jesus, Jesus you got 35 minutes to speak. I wouldn't want to have that conversation. Jesus like get behind me say my dad created time. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So I'm going to preach all thousand years. <laughs> so they're having church. In this passage of scripture, I love it because it so describes this church. It says that the house was packed with visitors. It says that it was so packed that there was no more room, even outside the door. And this is where I start feeling a little tension. This is where I start feeling, are you, are you, what, what do you mean there's no more room? See, I don't ever want to be a church that runs out of room for paralyzed people. I don't ever want to be a church, not just the big C church, but my church that doesn't make room for people that don't look like me. I don't ever want to be a church that doesn't make room for people that aren't in my socioeconomic status. I don't want to be a church that doesn't make room for different people of different ethnic groups. I want to be a church that always has room. You see, this place, revival is happening here. This church is on fire. They are having service. The worship team, come on, is singing, do it again, Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus is healing people. And Jesus is forgiving people. And the news is spreading quickly. And the place starts getting packed. And I started thinking about this. I said, God, help me to... To look at the scripture a different way and he showed me, he says, I, I don't want to ever have a church where Jesus causes the house to be full, but the house ain't full of Jesus. And so I want to teach from this topic, rip the roof off. 
Because what these four guys did is they said, man, we've got to make room for paralyzed people. We have to make room for lost people. We have to build more buildings. We have to, come on, somebody raise more funds. We've got to take the city of Denver. We've got to take over. So I said, how do we become riff, root, uh, riff, 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 I can beatbox too. How do we rip the roof off? <laughs> Gotta learn how to work it. Number one, if we're going to rip the roof off of our church, if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, if we're going to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus here on earth, we have to live with power and purpose. I don't just want to have a church that's full of power but no purpose. I don't want us to have a church that has the ministry of Jesus but not the mission of Jesus. We got to make room for lost people. But it says that this place didn't have room because of the crowd. It didn't have room because of the religious people. It didn't have room because of the people who are judgmental. I preach in our church and one of our, our values and I talk about this and I says, I don't want ever, ever want to be a church that judges people. I don't want to judge people. Be careful not to judge people because they sin differently than you. All of us sin. All of us fall short of God's glory. I want to have a church that's packed, but also that has the full power of Jesus. I want to have a church that also is, 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 is ministering and witnessing to the streets and in the communities and in the malls and, and in the byways and in the high schools. Come on, somebody. We're not a church on a block. We're a city on a hill. Let me tell you something. I like to say that church doesn't start when service starts. Church starts when service is over. I don't go to church. I am the church. When I go to the mall, the church shows up. When you go to work, the church shows up. Come on. When you're in your house and your neighbors, it's the church. They move right next to the church. I want to be a church that has power and purpose. And I know it snows a lot here in Denver. My God. But it also snows in the Northeast occasionally. And we had a snow about three years ago. And I'm telling you, it was like three feet. This, this snow was so vicious, all white people lost their kids when they went outside. It was like, where your kids? I was like, right over there. See that? There they go. They go to my, where yours at? And so this snow was so vicious, it shut down the entire city. <laughs> and so my wife, you know, the electricity went out. I mean, the snow was, we didn't know what to do. We don't know what to do with a whole lot of snow. It snows here and it melts the next day and y'all outside partying. I don't get it. <laughs> and so the electricity went out and, and, I, and I know you don't, don't stereotype me, but, but uh, uh, I was concerned. I wasn't concerned the lights went out. I wasn't concerned that the refrigerator even went out. I was concerned that the freezer went out because inside the freezer was chicken that needed to be fried. Come on, somebody. Don't judge me. Don't you do it. And so I got a passion. I got a deep passion. Man, what are we going to do with this electricity? And so Irene was like, well, we got to go, go to the hardware store and get a generator. And so we were calling around and couldn't find a generator anywhere. And I finally found a place that had a generator. And it says, we can't hold it for you. You got to get down here and secure your place in line. And I was like, oh, that's good. I can do that because I'm not all the way saved. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'll go back occasionally. Do I have anybody here 
that, that, that in the right, in the wrong situation, somebody can get you to go back. Is anybody? Y'all security. Y'all sign up for security ministry right after church. So I get down there and I secure my place in line and I got my place in line. I see the truck come with the generator and then this, this older lady walks beside and she starts to cut in line and I'm trying to decide, making sure she don't go to my church. I'm like, should I throw hands or lay them? I'm not sure which, what to do. So I was like, excuse me, ma'am, you cut. I'm going to get, I just, it was awful. But I got my generator and I had to pay all this money for this generator. And I got home, I got that generator home and we started plugging stuff into it, plugging the refrigerator into it. I told Irene, make sure you plug the curl now into it because your hair is a mess. Come on, just <laughs> plugging all sorts of stuff into it. I got that electric fryer, I got that chicken out. Come on, somebody. It was already defrosted. And I fried that chicken and it was so good. About two years later, we moved. And when we were packing the move, that generator was sitting in the corner. And I asked my son, I said, hey, son, come help me move. He said, all right, dad. So he came in the garage and he, he looked at that thing and he said, dad, what's that in the corner? What's that thing in the corner with all that dust on it? And I said, that's the generator. And he says, well, what does it do? And I started to explain, well, what it does is things that are powerless, you plug into it and then it generates power to things that are powerless. And he started, well, why is it just sitting over in the corner and I started thinking about how much I paid for it when I bought it. I started thinking about what it cost when I got it. And then I started thinking about the church. I'm here to tell you that God's church is a power generator. It is also has a purpose. Our church is supposed to plug people that are powerless into it. And people that are homeless into it. And people that are paralyzed in addiction into it. And people that are paralyzed in fear into it. And people that are paralyzed and powerless. Come on somebody. And divorce into it. What I don't want to be is I don't want to be relevant in one season. And then sitting over in a corner in another season, collecting dust on a Sunday morning. Let me tell you something. We have to go outside of the four walls of the church and get lost people and plug them into the power of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the wonder working power. If we're going to rip the roof off of the church and get lost people, we're going to have to live with power and in purpose. Power and in purpose. There are some people that can't get to the hospital without a paramedic. They can't get to the hospital without an ambulance. And man, I tell our church, I never want to be a church that doesn't have a paramedic ministry called outreach that is going and getting lost people that would never come to the church, never come into the four walls of the church on their own power. We must live in power and in purpose. Number two, we must also lead with compassion. I want to lead with compassion. I want to be a person and a believer and a God-fearing man who has a heart that breaks for the things that breaks the heart of God. Does your heart break for the things that break the heart of God? I love this passage of scripture. And as I read this, it says that in Mark 2, 3, it says they came to Jesus bringing a paralyzed guy who was carried by four men. Four guys had a passion for lost people. Four guys decided, I'm just not going to pass this guy who can't get to church on his own. I'm going to stop and pick up one of the four corners of his mat. I started thinking about this. Do you know that people are paralyzed? People are paralyzed in your school. People are paralyzed in your city. People are paralyzed in the mall. People are paralyzed at your workplace. They're paralyzed in addiction. 
They're paralyzed in divorce. They're paralyzed in doubt. They're paralyzed in complacency. They're paralyzed with hindering mindsets. They're paralyzed about church. They're paralyzed in certain mindsets and abuse. That's what I believe God has called us to, to be like one of these four guys that will go and reach people that don't look like them. You may say, well, pastor, how did you get this passion? I had this dream. God speaks to me in dreams when we started our church. When we started our church, I was frustrated about church. I was in my parents' church. To be very honest with you, I was sick and tired of church just the regular way. And I thought to myself, if we have, we carry the most powerful message that has ever been told, then why are we keeping it to ourselves? And I was in a missions trip, and me and Irene were considering going to Miami and planting a church and leaving my parents' church. And I remember we broke down. I was preaching uh, in, 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 in uh, Nairobi, Kenya, and I was traveling to Nakuru, Kenya, and we broke down in the Rift Valley halfway for three hours. And this is not breaking down in Denver. Come on, somebody. This is not even breaking down in the hood. <laughs> This is animals, not caged. Come on. And I looked like a good meal and I was the slowest, so I stayed in the car. <laughs> and as I stayed in the car for three hours, the Lord began to download the vision of I-5 City into my heart and says, I want you to plant a dynamically diverse church. I want you to have a church that's going to change the trajectory of, 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 of lost and, 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 and homelessness in your city. I want you to have a church, come on, that goes outside the four walls of the local church. And I remember that night I had a dream. And I don't know, uh, God, that's how God speaks to me. I was in court. I'm not in court, not the court you was thinking about. But this is a different court. This was a court that, that what was at stake was eternity. And God was the judge and, and Jesus was the prosecutor. And in the witness stand, it was very different. And I was on trial. And this was the kind of court that you wanted to be found guilty and so I'm sitting there on trial, and, and what was at stake is me getting into eternity. This is a real dream that I had that I'll never forget that I wrote down. And I looked up in the witness stand, and there was a kid from a Tanzanian village in Africa that has to walk six miles to get water. In the witness stand was a, was a homeless guy in the streets of Baltimore City. I can remember that I passed him one time as a pastor. In the witness stand was a single mom who was looking for a, a positive male a role model for her kids, and, and she had lost hope just, just in relationships. And I remember Jesus, it was my time to come into heaven, and, 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 and God says, Jesus, present the arguments. And he says, well, I can't. I got to look at them. And he goes to the kid, and he says, hey, little kid, little, 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 little kid, I know you travel six miles to get drinking water for your family. Do you know Jimmy? Little kid says, no, I never knew Jimmy. He looks at the homeless guy in Baltimore. He says, hey, do you guys know Jimmy? He said, no, I never knew Jimmy. He looks at the single mom and says, do you know Jimmy? She says, no, I never knew Jimmy. And I remember Jesus in my dream looks back at me and says, well, if they never knew you on earth, then I can't know you in heaven. And that day I decided that I would do everything I could do in my power as our church to make the, the message of Jesus Christ relevant to those who will never come in the four walls of our church and I says, we're going to take this gospel outside the four walls of the church. We're going to reach people that no one is reaching. And, I, and we begin to do outreach. We begin to do ministry. We change the name and change the structure of our church. And God began to bless it. And I was thinking about that. I says, God, how can we keep compassion? And the Lord says, just remember where you came from. Can I see that, Matt? 
See, this is an exercise mat. We're going to use it for my illustration. It doesn't know me very well. <laughs> but I asked God, I said, God, how, how can I keep my heart broken before you? He says, remember where you came from. And I want to just illustrate this to you, that how we keep our hearts broken before God, how we keep going after paralyzed people is we remember when we were in our state of paralysis. Do you remember when you couldn't get to the local church? Do you remember when your marriage was broken? Do you remember when you had no hope? Do you remember when you felt lost? Do you remember when you were addicted? Do you remember when you were in fear? See, I put myself in the role in the place of that paralyzed guy. There's something going on over there. He's hearing about it, but no one will invite him. Everyone's passing him going to church. Oh, we got to serve the church. And he's saying, well, uh, I, I want, I, but can you serve me? Where are you guys going? Jesus is moving. I can't get there. I'm paralyzed in fear. I've been hurt about church. Remember when you were on your back? Remember your anxiety? Remember your grief? See, from time to time in our staff meetings, I bring out the mat and I just lay on it. And I say, God, never let me forget my mat. It's crazy, isn't it? How easy it is for us to forget where we came from. God, what was it about these four guys? Come on, we live in this culture of people saying, God, send me, send me, and, and send me to the four corners of the earth, God. But before you go to the four corners of the earth, can you grab one of the corners of your neighbor's mat? a church and our church was growing and I was a pastor and my wife was pastoring and we were laying on my, our mat. Our marriage was horrible. Two years ago, I was 420 pounds. Two years ago, three and a half years ago, my wife was, my wife who was pastoring our church was addicted to alcohol. We're growing a life-giving church because we forgot where our mat was. God, isn't it crazy that if you don't remember where you're at, God will kind of remind you of where your mat was. And I thank God that somebody came and grabbed one of the corners of our mat even when I was a pastor. I thank God that my wife is now three and a half years sober. Come on, somebody. And you know what we've been doing now? We've been grabbing the corners of pastor's mats all around the country. We've been grabbing the corner of broken people's mats all around the country. We've been grabbing the corner of homeless people's mats all over our city and lost people and blind people and people of divorce. I'm here to tell you, you don't need, let me tell you, you don't need a title in church. You need a towel outside of church to serve the least of these in your city. Does my heart break for the things that breaks the heart of God? I've got to lead with compassion. 
I love this passage of scripture in Mark 2. It says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come not to call those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Let me tell you something, people. I have come to find out so many people around the world are asking, what's my purpose and what has God created me to do? You know how you can find it? A good indication of what you're called to do is to look at your pain. And I've come to find out that my greatest misery has the potential to be my greatest ministry when I give it over to Jesus Christ. got to lead with compassion number three we got to change the front door we got to change the front door it says in mark 2 4 and 5 and when they could not come near him because of the crowd they uncovered the roof where he was so when they went uh, when they had broken through they let this guy down right in front of Jesus. I want to paint the picture. Four guys, that's why I believe in small groups. Come on. Four guys put a small group around this guy on a paralyzed mat, on, a, on this mat. Four guys grabbed. It was heavy to get him all the way back to the church. Let me tell you something. Discipleship will cost you. Let me tell you something. Getting people and lost people to the house of God, it's taxing. It's wearisome. It's real, but you got to stay committed to it. They got him back to the church and like, man, the front door is closed there. Huh? What are we going to do? So they took steps. There were steps located by this church and they, they took steps and they went higher. And as they went higher in worship, they got new perspective of how to reach people for Jesus. And what they did is they ripped the roof off of the church. I believe there's going to be a, 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 a roof-ripping ministry. Come on, somebody in Red Rocks. Mm -hmm. You're signing up for the roof-ripping ministry. What is that? You see, when they ripped the roof off, they changed the front door of the church. They says if the front door is blocked over there, we're going to find a new front door to get people. Do you know that your life is a front door to get lost people to the house of God? At I-5, we... We changed the front door of the church. When we first started our church, we started a track and field ministry. Come on, somebody. It was awesome. We started with 20 kids, 20 kids in a track and field ministry. We were trying to figure out what ways can we take the church to the city. And so we said, we're going to start track and field ministry. And so we started with 20 kids. Irene was the coach. I wasn't the sprint coach. I don't know if you can tell. I was the shot put coach. And so we started this track and field ministry, and, and we started seeing kids come from all over our city. We started seeing parents come. That, and we guess what? We found that lady I had a dream about. She signed her son up because she wanted her son to have positive male influence. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel the anointing right now. Let me tell you all something. And I remember she was coming and she said, you know, well, well this is awesome. And, and, now, and then she found out that it was a church. And I was like, yeah, we're having church, and, but this is church out of the track. And so we started the ice ministry. I was going to get her involved. I was like, so she, they was like, what's the ice ministry, Pastor? I said, don't worry, I just made it up. <laughs> we need ice at the track meet, and we need people to bring ice. Do you know that God can redeem people through ice? Come on, somebody. And so I tricked her. I tricked her. So we had a dream team one day at our church, and everyone who volunteered, even in the ice ministry, had to come. 
And so she came to the fore. She came into the church. And I knew it. I was setting her up. I knew at that dream team was going to be the first salvation call that ever happened at our dream team. And so at the end of our dream team, I, 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 just the music started playing like this, and she bowed her head, and, and I said, somebody came in here today, and you had no idea that your best days were ahead of you and your worst days were behind you. You had no idea that God can use your pain for his purpose. And I remember giving at the end of that, and I said, if that's you, if you'll trust me right now, if you'll raise your hand, the Holy Spirit, God wants to invade your life right now in a very good way, and he wants to heal the secret dark places of your heart. And she raised her hand, and tears started coming down her face. Come on, two weeks later, everybody in her family started coming to church because there was somebody who changed the front door. I had no idea that her mama was from old school church. And so her mama wanted to know what in the world done happened to April. April's coming to church. April's wearing jeans to church. April's pastor's wearing Jordans. What in the world is going on? So April's mama came to church with her big church lady hat on. She blocked about five rows behind her. And April's mama was sitting in church, been in church her whole life. And I gave a salvation call. Somebody who had been in church her whole life raised her hand to give her life to Jesus. Come on, somebody. And guess what? That same day, April's son gave his life to Jesus. And April's daughter gave gave her life to Jesus. And y'all hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? When you rip the roof off, God will open up the heavens. I'm here to tell you we got to go higher to get lost people and broken people to where Jesus is. Crazy thing. Two weeks later, two weeks, April's mom came and she got diagnosed with terminal cancer. I'm talking about something that was very quick evolving and she was given two months to live. Two months to live. I'll never forget it. I didn't know what to do. I was a young pastor. I had no idea what to do. I was like, well, we'll pray for you. I, I, didn't, I didn't know if I believed God could heal her. I didn't know. I, I was just, I was scared. I'm going to just be honest with you. I know today that God is a healer. I know today I've seen miracles. I've seen God do some crazy things. Come on, somebody. Do you know that God is still in the business of healing people? And Miss Faye, we went to the hospital, we went to the place, and they said, I said, Miss Faye, well, what do you what do you believe in God? And she says, Pastor, the Lord told me that he was gonna heal me as I go, and this will not be unto death. And I didn't know what that means, but she says, I'm gonna serve every week. So Miss Faye was on a welcome team. And Miss Faye would come back from chemo and she would say, Can I just get a stool today? And she would shake everybody's hand who came in our church. Huh. And I saw Mrs. Faye's hair started falling out, and I saw Mrs. Faye getting weaker. And guess what? Every single Sunday she showed up because there was a church who ripped the roof off. And I started thinking Miss Faye would have never been here except for track and field. Come on, somebody. Do you know that track and field, that God can use track and field to bring people in the presence of God? Do you know that God can use you in the mailroom to bring people to the presence of God? You, we talked to our, 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 our sales clerk today at Nordstrom. Come on, somebody. I don't know if she's going to be at one of your services, but I invited her to church. Come on, somebody, because we was ripping the roof off today. Something crazy happened. About a month after Miss Faye started serving, her hair started growing back. About, come on, somebody, about six weeks after Miss Faye started serving, Miss Faye said, I don't need the stool anymore. And guess what? Miss Faye sent me a text and went to the doctor. And Miss Faye said, Pastor, I don't know what happened, but there is no trace of cancer. And guess what? Uh huh. 
It's about four years later and Miss Faith still serving on the welcome team. Can I tell you something? Let me tell you something. God didn't you Miss Faith didn't show up to church because the worship was good. Miss Faith didn't show up to church because of a personal invite. Miss Faith showed up to church because there was a church who was willing to rip the roof off and guess what? God, God is not after track and field. He was after cancer and I'm telling you right now that Miss Faith got healed. What is behind you ripping the roof off of everything that's been traditional about church? I believe Red Rocks that your best days are ahead of you and your worst days are behind you. You haven't seen nothing yet. There's going to be an onslaught of lost people that are coming into this church because you're willing to rip the roof off. Can I get a good amen right there? You got to leave with compassion. If you want to rip the roof off, the last thing you got to do is don't forget your mat. Don't forget your mat. Look at the person next to you and say, don't forget your mat. It says this in, in Mark 2, 5. Now this scripture blows my mind. They lower this guy right down in front of Jesus. And then Jesus says this, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Wait a minute. Seeing whose faith? Not the faith of the paralyzed guy? No, seeing their faith. You mean not the faith of the guy who was laying on the mat for all those years? No, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven, which tells me that when I grab the corner of somebody's mat, that my faith has the ability to change their future. I'm here to tell you, don't minimize what God is doing in your life because your faith has the ability to change the trajectory of eternity for somebody who is paralyzed on a mat. And then it goes on to say in verse 10, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. What powerful words. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I just said, I don't, I, I don't want that mat anymore. That mat has scars on it. That mat has tears on it. That mat has betrayal on it. That mat has fear on it. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Stand up. Come on, y'all. I would have thrown a Jericho March party. I would have been like, I don't want that mat. Look what the Lord has done. I am healed. I am set free. I am delivered. I want a title in church now. He says, no. He says, I know there's pain on that mat. I know there's injury on that mat. I know there's fear on that mat. But you can't leave it. You can't leave it behind. You can't leave it because somebody else needs it. The Bible says in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. See, the enemy, he wants to keep you in shame. He don't want you to pick up your mat. The enemy doesn't want you to tell your story. But Jesus says, I want you to now put that mat on your shoulder. And what has been carrying you, I now want you to carry. And I want you to go out into the city and say, look what the Lord has done. Will you stand on your feet with me? If you're ready to take your testimony, it is time for you to put down shame and pick up your story. It is time for you to put, pick, put, pick up.
up your mat. And it's time for you to pick up your testimony. And it's time for you to pick up, come on, what God has done in your life. Has God done anything in the lives of anybody in here that you want to say, look what the Lord has done. I'm here to tell you, God is going to blow look at the enemy you can say I see you move you move the mountains and I believe I see you do it again you made a way come on where there was no way and I believe come on come on I see you do come it on. again antennas for God to know where you are right now for God to know where your pain is and for God to know where the issues of your heart might be and I want to pray right now father I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and visit every single person in this place God God that you would visit God our pain and turn our pain into purpose God that our greatest misery God would turn into our greatest ministry God use us God I know we haven't dotted all our eyes and crossed all of our T's but God we are standing here ready to be used God let us use Use us for our family. Use us for our neighbors. Use us for the place of Denver. God, use us for our city in the name of Jesus, Father. And God, right now, God, if there's anybody who's paralyzed in this place, God, I pray, God, that you would bring four friends in their lives. God, to grab the corner of one of their mats in Jesus' name. And everybody just went crazy for Jesus one good time. <laughs>